0: Okay, there are a couple of different descriptions. So one, butter chicken, when one person in a so-called relationship loves the other. And then the other one, a sex position where the male lies on his back enjoying a plate of butter chicken, which is placed on his belly while the female partner pleasures him, preferably in cowgirl position. I'm not sure that answered our question. (laughs) Welcome to I Made Her Watch, the podcast where two best friends force each other to watch shit that they wouldn't otherwise. Some people might call it torture, even. Some people, for this particular episode of the podcast, yes, might call it torture. I'm your host, Vanessa. And I'm your host, Stephanie. And this week on the podcast, I Made a Stephanie Watch, Too Hot to Handle, the first three episodes. Yes, and those are three hours of my life that I think I will never get back i just like to mention that it's less than three hours, but that's okay. No, 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 no. Wait. Okay. I will clarify. It is was actually about three hours because I think it's about two hours and a half or so okay. for the three episodes. But as I discovered, and I remember because you tried to get me to watch this during the summer... There is a backstory. 2020, here. yes. I got and I wrote this down. First attempt at watching during the summer. Only made it to 18 minutes and 41 seconds before giving up. Episode is 41 minutes, so it is actually about three hours of my life because of the additional time that you watched it. The Precisely. first go. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, I understand. You know what, I'll give you credit, number one, because you got through more of the episode than other people that I forced to watch it (laughs) the first time around, and never forced to watch again. Uh, But this time, I do appreciate that you took the challenge on and watched three episodes. I mean, we'll see at the end if you would continue with this series, but I think I already know what the answer is. Yeah, But let's not spoil it for everyone. Maybe, Maybe there's a plot twist. There could be. There could be. I will just say myself, obviously, this is the second time of me watching it. It was probably just as entertaining to me as the first time. And I picked (laughs) up on new details because the first time around, I was binge watching it um, during a weekday. You know, you miss things along the way. Yeah. Um, I can definitely say I, I miss things. Because I managed to tune out various times throughout the three episodes and even <laughs> documented it. So I forced myself to write as many notes as possible, which there still weren't a lot. But as many notes as possible so that I could force myself to pay attention. I'd just like to clarify, though, see, the reason why I missed stuff the first time around is not because I tuned out and got bored. It's just because the show is so rich and complex that there's a lot to pick up on. And, you know, sometimes little things fall through the cracks. You're saying that you missed out on parts because you actively tuned out because you couldn't be bothered because it wasn't entertaining enough for you. And I ask you, if this show is not entertaining enough, then what is? I mean, I can give you a list of... What's my current list for things to make you watch? Uh, Twenty-five. My, that's pretty my, current good. Li- my current list is about 25, so I can give you 25, but then that would just spoil things for everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm just I'm going to use one of um, one of the cast members on the show. Chloe uses a word that she I think at one point didn't even realize she knew. Animosity. And I'd like to say that we're starting off today's episode with a little animosity, which I like. Struggle is entertaining. And this show is entertaining. And since I was the one who chose it, I have the last say on it. But I'd like to start off with just a little brief backstory on what it's about and how they came up with the idea. So it's an American reality TV dating game show that was produced by Talkback and created by Laura Gibson and Charlie Bennett. It consists of eight episodes, plus a reunion episode, which I think you should watch. And actually, released, sorry you? to interrupt you. So this is how I am such a good friend. And I'm such an exceptionally good friend. Because uh-huh. we actually did watch the reunion episode together. If you do not recall, it was your birthday, Oh my God, we did. Yes. And because I'm such a good friend, I let you pick what we would watch. And you made me watch the reunion episode. So I do know how most of this ends. Yeah. But I will say I cannot recall. Yeah. You know what? I mean, I only watched the three episodes now. Like I didn't, on the second watch, I didn't watch the full eight episodes again. So I don't remember a lot of the details from later on. I know the gist of it. Uh, You know what? And I, you know, we should start giving out a disclaimer or something There are spoilers. Significant spoilers. Significant spoilers. Don't, if you have never watched any of these shows or movies and you are planning to and you don't like spoilers, don't listen to us now. Watch it first and then join us. And then you can join in with commentary too on what you thought of the episodes and if you disagree with us. But just know for this particular episode of the podcast, I won't allow any criticism. Of the show. Oh, I as fifty percent owner of this podcast. I disagree. If you'd like to be team Stephanie, please don't contact me. Actually, we should put up some voting poll. We should, we should put oh, up that's... a voting poll and let people decide whether are you team Vanessa or are you team Stephanie. Yes. Okay. Now here, I'm. This ties in with the premise of the show and what I was talking about. When you decide whether your team is Stephanie or the Obvious Choice team, Vanessa, please keep in mind that your rating also depends on when this show came out. So the episodes were released on April 17th, 2020 on Netflix. And keep in mind for those of us in Canada and for a lot of other places in the world, this was the height of first wave quarantine. So remember what you felt like in April when everybody was locked down and you had nothing good to do, and then rate the show based on that. Okay, but let me bring this up. We are now in the second wave of quarantine, and it did not make me feel any better. Well, that's a difference of perspective, because it made me feel just as warm and wholesome inside as it did the first time. (laughs) I don't know if (laughs) if you're using the word wholesome correctly. Oh, I think I am. (laughs) I'm about as confident about that as Chloe was when she used the word animosity, (laughs) which is to say about 79% confident. She added to her Chloe dictionary. Yeah. Something along those lines. And I think she adds more words along the way, too. It's amazing to see her growth in the series. Um, (laughs) So the basic premise of the show is they start off with 10 attractive, commitment-phobic singles who meet up at this beautiful resort, this tropical paradise, and they make plans for a steamy retreat until this virtual assistant named Lana, who, i just like to say, their thought for Lana was Mary Poppins meets Ellen DeGeneres, which I think is the weirdest thing in the world. Oh, can I tell you what I named her in my notes? Oh, yes, please. No Sex Siri. <laughs> that's what she's in my notes no sex siri i feel like maybe we should call her that for the rest of this episode i I agree i actually agree yeah okay so no sex siri drops a bombshell on the contestants and lets them know that they're actually competing against each other for a prize of a hundred thousand dollars and the condition is that they just can't have any sexual contact with each other for the duration of the show's filming which the Filming lasted between 24 to 25 days, so a little under a month. And the whole premise is they're supposed to learn how to form meaningful, deeper relationships and connections with each other instead of just going straight to sex. Now, the most interesting thing of this whole show to me... Well, two things. Number one, the place where it's filmed is actually beautiful. It's uh, Punta Mita, Mexico. They scoured the world to find like the nicest tropical paradise. Um, and this place is really, really gorgeous. And the actual resort where they filmed is Tau. It's a village that is available for rent people at a low, low price of $15,600 a night. I think that's a steal you get your own personal chef there's 12 bedrooms and 12 bathrooms not that the cast uses all of them they're actually relegated to one bedroom and one bathroom to form close personal connections um <laughs> and it has been frequented by a lot of celebrities so like Leonardo DiCaprio Beyoncé Jennifer Aniston have all stayed there and actually Ludacris and his wife stayed there right after the show wrapped filming in April 2019 no matter what my feelings towards the show are I would not be opposed to go to this island mm-hmm. and try it out. I, I don't hold my negative feelings about the show against the island. So you just like to tell the creators, Laura Gibson and Charlie Bennett, if you want to send us for free to the resort, we'll take it. Yes. And at that point, we'll kiss your ass about the show a little bit more. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think I could kiss ass any more than I already am, but it's definitely could. Are you saying that they should try to convert me? I should be bought. I can be bribed. I think I can be bribed. Fifteen thousand six hundred dollars a night. I think so. Yeah, I can. Um, you know what? I can be bribed to bump up the final rating. I will okay. tell you at the end how much I would bump up my rating if they gave me a free trip to this island. <laughs> wow, what a bribe that is! <laughs> so. The thing that I find the funniest about this whole show is actually what it was based on. Laura Gibson was watching an episode of Seinfeld called The Contest. People who watch Seinfeld probably know this episode very well. It's a classic. It's the episode where George, Jerry, Kramer, and Elaine... Uh, and turn to a contest to see who could last the longest without masturbating. And there's a cash prize involved. I think all the guys pitch in $100, Elaine puts in 150 for the bet because apparently it's a lot easier for women to go without masturbating for a long period of time. I, actually, I think at the end of the episode, we don't really find out who wins, but everybody's miserable throughout. Mine is Kramer, who gives up very easily. He sleeps peacefully for the rest of the episode, and the rest of them have insomnia and are just completely miserable. But that's where she took the premise of the show. They wanted to age down the contestants who were on the show because she said an older person would have no problem giving up sex for that amount of money. But she's like, my 19-year-old self probably wouldn't be able to resist the temptation. Seriously? for No, you know what? And this is a slight issue that I have with the show is they keep on saying it's for $100,000, but it's four hundred thousand $100,000 split between like 10 people. It's exactly. actually not that much. I think that really skews how much effort you would put into refraining from any sexual activity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what they did wrong in the show too, is that like some of the people that they chose, and we'll get into this a little bit more Mm -hmm. later, are people who are already making a decent amount of money in their current jobs. And $100,000 is just not enough of an incentive, especially if it has to be shared. Yeah. So I think it would come out to, if it's shared, About to maybe like $10,000 per... I forget how many people are actually in this, to be honest. It's difficult to say because there are additional contestants that are added in past the third episode, but then some of them also leave. So I'm not sure if it stays at 10 in the end, but there are 10 singles initially. But yeah, that's the basic premise of the show. And it came from one of the greatest, it's actually considered one of the best episodes of a sitcom, that Seinfeld episode. And it then produced one of the best reality dating game shows of all time. So it's not ironic, really, how that turned out. So if I remember correctly, and I actually do not, I've watched bits and pieces of Seinfeld here and there. Mm -hmm. But I've never been a Seinfeld fan. I've always been more of a friend's person. And if I remember correctly, Seinfeld is just meant to be a show kind of about shitty people. Yeah, that's the premise. They want characters who aren't particularly good. They're certainly not heroes. Yeah, and I feel that this show slightly recreates that aspect as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you. And again, it worked for Seinfeld and it clearly works here. Maybe you don't like... Too hot to handle because it's too much like Seinfeld uh, and you don't like Seinfeld. Hmm. Uh huh. Ah, you know what? Yes. I'm going to get so much shit for this. Yeah. For not liking Seinfeld. Oh, yes. But I figured this out. I have a dislike for shows, I think reality TV shows, where it kind of brings out the worst in people or they reward negative behavior. Right. So I have the same sort of feeling towards Survivor. I do not like Survivor. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because it rewards manipulative, underhanded behavior. And this is, I don't, they don't go to that extreme. But from the little that I have seen of this show. There's some, yeah, manipulation. Yeah, yeah, and I don't like that. And I, I think that's a thing in reality TV shows that really will make me stop watching. And that's probably the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Not the Seinfeld dislike. Although I Oh, no. I, do. I think uh, that's all tied in. That's all tied oh, in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, true, manipulative, underhanded. Yeah. I was trying to save you from negative comments, but you know what? Just going to throw you to the sharks. <laughs> um, the thing is I'm a manipulative and underhanded person. So I like this stuff. This all just plays into my character. This is great. <laughs> I can confirm she is manipulative and underhanded. The fact that Stephanie had to watch this again <laughs> is evidence. <laughs> I guess I showed my clear dislike of this months ago mm-hmm. from the very beginning mm-hmm. after 18 minutes and 41 seconds. Obviously, that wasn't enough to deter this uh, second attempt at forcing me to watch it. So episode one entitled Love, Sex, or Money. We get an introduction to all of the singles who are going to be on the show. And I think maybe it would be fun to just go through first impressions. Oh, I do have that. I have every person listed and what kind of stood out to me about each of them. Amazing. I started off with Lana, I No Sex Siri, and I put this in quotation marks, helps with making emotional connections. Um, I'm assuming there's a big reason why you put it in quotation marks. No, she just likes to stir the pot, man. She really does. Even like the assignments that she has for them or the dates that she provides for them. And like you're purposely trying to get them more turned on by each other. It's not about creating deeper connections. It's about getting them hornier so that they'll lose money. Exactly. She is the producer of this show. She is the way that the producer is able to manipulate these people into mm-hmm. doing things that will move the show forward in a certain direction. Absolutely. They actually mentioned that she had more contact with the cast members on the show than the actual like live producers of the show did. Do we know who... Who is No Sex Series voice? Uh, no, they didn't want to release a lot of the details about the actual mechanics about No Sex Siri. So we don't know very much about her at all. What I like about Lana in her introduction, actually, I don't know if you noticed this, but you know how for all of the other contestants, it puts where they're from below. So it's their name and like, mm-hmm. let's say Queensland, Australia. Lana says factory China. <laughs> I, <it>. I, <laughs> I didn't it. pick up on that. These are the details that the show's creators added in that really make the show so great and so well thought out. I will say that it it gave me a chuckle now that you told me about it. There you go. That's all it needed to do. That's the nicest thing I'll probably say throughout the entire thing. (laughs) It's not supposed to be groundbreaking television, okay? Although I would argue that it is groundbreaking television. (laughs) But it doesn't have to be. Okay, so that's Lana. Chloe is the first one that we actually see on the show. Uh, She's 20 years old. I love that after saying her name and her age, the very next thing she says, whether this was edited to be like this or not, is, I'm quite ditzy as well. And I think that sums her up perfectly. So I wrote down, not the sharpest tool in the shed by her own admission. And she struggles, actually, for the proper expression for that I think she says, not the brightest spark, and then she pauses, and she doesn't know how to fill in the rest of that sentence. Uh, And that's pretty much all you need to know about Chloe. But I will say, by the end of the show, she's probably my favorite female cast member. Oh, interesting. Okay, you'll have to expand on this. You know what it is for me? She's just, what you see is what you get. She's not particularly manipulative. She just seems genuine. I had actually a bit of an issue with some of Chloe's actions. Okay. A a little bit, Uh, but we'll get into that. We'll get into it. Okay, Sharon is the second one who comes in. My favorite thing about Sharon is that he studies women and gender studies at college so that he can learn how to pick up girls. So I believe he also described himself as a feminist and most proud of his penis that he measures beside an Air freshener can. Yeah, I wrote in my notes air freshener can penis. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll never forget that now. You know what? But I think that that introduction is not fully what he ends up being. No. From what I can tell, I feel like he's just so much more than that. Yeah, he is. He's actually a lot deeper than his intro would lead you to believe. The third person who comes in is Haley. And she is exactly, I think, What she comes across as in her introduction A sorority girl Yeah Dim-witted I'm not saying all sorority girls are (laughs) dim-witted But she Uh, is Just just like the stereotype of what a sorority girl is Yes There is something that I want to know About her introduction Mm -hmm. So what happened to this girl that broke her neck Falling off the roof? Oh yeah Yeah that's I mean Possibly paralyzed (laughs) That's not I, funny. I Oops. really hope not. I really hope not. It's just so casually thrown in there and just never mentioned again. No, no. I, I feel like that should be an, a traumatic experience. I don't think Haley has many traumatic experiences overall because I don't think Haley cares very much. <laughs> she does care about someone. One yes. person in particular, I feel. Yeah. The fourth and fifth contestants to walk in are Harry and David. <sighs> yeah i'm I'm sorry i'm sorry it's it's a gag reflex yeah yeah is the gag for both of them or just one just one yeah and it's uh to hold back what kind of feels a little bit like bile Mm -hmm. anytime of just from the three episodes that i watched yeah yeah it for me i had bile the whole time and i'm assuming you're talking about harry yeah and i could and i caught on that yeah pretty quickly it's something that shows it's ugly head. I mean, in the first episode, I'm pretty sure. I think I can't have to, I can't, they're all kind of mushed together. I think it's the second episode, the major incident that happens, Yeah, but um, it's very early on in the series. And so Harry, a couple of interesting things about him. (laughs) He DMs celebrities. He's had zero success so far. He's very young and you could tell just how immature he is at his age. Um, I personally, when I saw him come onto the show, I was like, Really, like you were scouring the world for attractive signals and you chose him. Is he the best that you guys can find? But that's just my opinion. However, he's actually this is not his first time on reality TV. Oh he really? actually won, yeah. He won Heartbreak Island, which was a New Zealand dating TV show, which had a very complicated set of rules, from what I understand. But he won that show in 2018 and got $100,000 with his then-girlfriend, Georgia Breyers. So they ended up splitting the cash prize, so $50,000 each, and then they split up six months later after the show ended. Uh, so this is not his first around and it might explain why he really doesn't care about the cash prize in this show. He also goes on to say that he DMed either the Kardashians or Jenners or both. And he called one of them, my little butter chicken. They're not Indian. Here's the thing. You're going to hear a lot of slang expressions from him and they mean something in Australian slang. I have a whole list of them. I think they're very entertaining. Between him and Chloe, you can fill a dictionary. Can I ask what the little butter chicken thing is? I have researched this before because I remember my friend also made note of this, and I can't remember now what little butter chicken means, but I will search it up. Okay, there are a couple of different descriptions. So one butter chicken, when one person in a so-called relationship loves the other. And then the other one, a sex position where the male lies on his back enjoying a plate of butter chicken, which is placed on his belly while the female partner pleasures him, preferably in cowgirl position. I'm not sure that answered our question. (laughs) So yeah, Harry's already a bit of a shithead. Uh, I just want to say one more thing because I think this is good foreshadowing. On Heartbreak Island, so the reality TV show that Harry was on previously, they had to make sort of a dating profile. And under Relationship Deal Breaker, he wrote, someone who lies or someone who is (laughs) self-centered. Stephanie has removed her glasses so that she can rub her face in frustration. (laughs) You know what? The one thing about this being a podcast is people are not getting to experience the range of facial expressions that I've been making throughout this Mm -hmm. entire thing Mm -hmm. mine have been consistently happy and I think part of it is seeing seeing this reaction from me I think you're entertained by this yeah see again I like manipulation and underhandedness and this is why the show is so entertaining to me oh (laughs) this is evidence. I'm I'm, I'm getting back at you for this I know I I know There is revenge that is coming your way. With great power comes great responsibility. And if you don't use the responsibility properly, then you should expect consequences at the end of the road. I expect consequences. I understand what I've done to myself. And to kind of use one of the titles of one of the episodes as a bit of foreshadowing, revenge is a dish best served hot. Ding! So keep that in mind. Thank you. I look forward to it. Um, But we're still on the first episode here, so I have a while to go before (laughs) my reckoning. (laughs) So, Harry comes in with David, and David does not induce the gag reflex for me. Um, He's honestly, I think through the course of the series, he's a pretty nice guy overall. And he's one of the guys that I probably like the most, but he is not my favorite. He does have, I found out, a degree in petroleum engineering, which is Impressive. I don't know what that involves. So I think petroleum, as in gas. So maybe he's he's the, the gas man. He, he's <laughs> the gas. Man. You know what? Maybe we can match him up with our gas girl. Yes, exactly. I don't think her boyfriend would appreciate that. Actually, you know? <laughs> gas girl likes to receive so gift cards for Christmas. They're oh, the they best have... gift you can give her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um so that's David he actually I think he runs a fitness program now um and then the sixth person to wa- walk oh, wait, in wait wait, yeah. wait, I have commentary about oh David. sorry took off shirt to get ladies that is what I wrote yeah yeah that's there's a, right. there's not much substance to it but I I wanted to let everyone know what my first impression is yeah that would be fair that's a good first impression. And I think he made a good first impression in doing so. Yeah, because I think he went on to remove his shirt. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I do remember him like topless, I feel, in that first scene. It didn't take him long. No, that is when he's... immediately. <laughs> he has nothing. Well, actually, the only other um, thing that he seems to resort to for flirting is putting sunscreen lotion on people, which is... If you're an individual like myself, would not work for me. That would be an immediate turn off. Who do you think you are trying to give me sunscreen? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so I guess to help the audience get to know you a little bit better, you have an aversion to sunscreen. I do. This is going to come up throughout this, ep- throughout this series, actually. There's going to be several comments about this. Yes. Yeah, so Vanessa likes to bake herself to a crisp. Yes. Whenever, whenever possible. possible. But like don't think of that woman with that super leathery skin. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not not like that. Not time mom. But yeah, I do enjoy tanning and I don't enjoy sunscreen. And if David tried to put sunscreen on me, I would be horrendously offended and would probably never talk to him again. Yes. So as I recall when we were in Cuba in 2019. Um, The good old days. The good old days. Uh, Yes, we only had like four days there or something. You did not believe that you were tan enough by the second day or something Mm -hmm. and went on to throw a legitimate temper tantrum of the likes of a three-year-old. This is not entirely true. The only thing that calmed you down was finding the guy with the coconuts. This is not entirely true. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the coconut man made me happier. Yes, I was very upset for a good reason. No, I did not throw a temper tantrum like a three-year-old. I threw a temper tantrum like, how old was I at the time? 26-year-old who was not getting her money's worth out of the vacation because she was not tanned. (laughs) And then we went on to get a slight uh, slight food poisoning. Mm Mm-hmm by the end of the trip (laughs) which I would have felt better about if I was burnt and peeling but I was not oh Vanessa was my skin happier for it yeah probably but was my soul happy that's a resounding no it was not people do not follow Vanessa's example use sunscreen there is a thing called skin cancer it happens I don't want to give a bad impression Um, But I want to say that there's at least one of our listeners out there who also doesn't believe in sunscreen power to the people. That's all I got to say. Power to me and that one other person. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The sixth person who walks in is Francesca, um, the resident shit disturber. What were your initial thoughts? Someone called her a naughty little possum. That is (laughs) what I wrote (laughs) That and was Harry. And then I wrote down that she was a model. And out of everyone so far, I had actually enjoyed listening to her speak the most. Yeah. Yeah. She actually is the most coherent, I would say. Yeah. Sadly. S- <laughs> I, 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 it's not really a high bar. No. There. It's not. Yeah. Maybe it's because she's a little bit older than a lot of the other ones. I can't pinpoint it. Uh, There's something in the way that she carries herself. Mm -hmm. There's a certain amount of confidence there. And yeah, something else Mm -hmm. that's kind of indescribable right now. She does think that her personality is her best asset, which... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) And then we have Matt, a.k.a jesus who likes to wear a beanie in a tropical environment and who is a deep thinker quote i think about everything a lot which is how you would describe the deep thinkers of our time really yes so i also wrote where's a beanie on the beach Mm -hmm. that's a negative definitely and wants to spread his seed (laughs) yes (laughs) I actually love that part too. That's great. He's got some good lines. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when we were debating on whether we had to mark any of the show explicit or not? Mm-hmm. I, so- I, I, think, I think this kind of just reaffirms that, that we have to mark the entire show explicit. Yeah. Because <laughs> when I was watching, I was like, there's no way you can get through an episode of this without marking it as explicit. And I'm like, there's no reason for me to go through all the effort of just having to beep all this stuff out. Yeah. Screw that. Um, the eighth and ninth contestants also walk in together. That would be Rhonda and Nicole. So Nicole is the Irish one. She went to an all-girls school that was run by nuns. So maybe she's got a little bit of, like, rep- repressed sexuality going on. Who knows? Um. <laughs> what goes wrong when you just send a whole bunch of horny teenagers to an all-girls, all-boys school? Like, what can go wrong there? Yeah. Well, what ends up happening is that they go on a reality TV show in Mexico, hoping to fuck other singles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but they haven't met No Sex Siri yet. No Sex Siri is the nun (laughs) on this island. Nicole thought she escaped the nuns and then (laughs) She's like, there are no nuns on this private island in Mexico. You would be wrong. (laughs) You haven't met no sex theory. (laughs) Um, And then we have Rhonda, who also, like Francesca, is quite confident in herself. Um, She seems to me like she's maybe a tiny bit high maintenance. But I think she's also probably one of the most reasonable women that's there. Yeah, I find her the most normal, like one one of the most normal Mm -hmm. people there.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I also put down that I actually really enjoy Nicole's Irish accent. I do too. I do too. That's so funny that you said that because I always thought for a really long time that the only like accents that really got to me were from men. But I really like her accent. I find it enjoyable to listen to. I think you don't really hear a lot of women with an Irish accent in media. Mm-hmm. I think you mostly you hear from men. But I what was that show, that movie that I watched? It was with it's at the tip of a uh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Oh yes. With That's a uh, great movie with the with the actress whose first name i can never pronounce sir Sir, Sir, ronan i think yes i know it's last name ronan so we'll go with your pronunciation i won't even attempt it because i have my uh invisalign trays in and uh, i can barely pronounce things properly to begin with that's very fair yes that that's my excuse
1: right now let's pretend that we
0: you believe me that that's the only reason why I'm not attempting to pronounce her name I'm nodding my head vigorously as though I believe you yes but it's a beautiful a beautiful name and I would really like to do it justice but I think I would have to first listen to her pronounce it and then attempt it I can't do it off the top of my head I'm hoping I got it right But yeah, that's one of the few circumstances, or sorry, one of the few movies that I can think of of um, a female actress, female character with an Irish accent. The 10th person who comes onto the show is my personal favorite. I didn't realize how much he should have been my favorite from the very beginning, but like early on in the series, I realized how great he was, but it was Written in the stars from the very beginning, because he talks about how he has a lion tattoo on him, both because he sees himself as an alpha lion and because Lion King is his favorite movie. I don't know how I missed this the first time around, but Kels is obviously my favorite because he recognizes how great the Lion King is. I place down King of the Jungle. Also, he's really hot. Yeah, he's gorgeous. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's all I kind of wrote for him at the moment. But by the time I got to the end of the third episode, I'm like, I really like this guy. Yeah, He's practical. He understands that there's money at stake here. That's why they end up calling him the accountant. Exactly. He is the very sexy, very reasonable, great taste in movies accountant. Bless him. He is my favorite. So everybody's introduced. They're all talking. And basically... What the contestants don't know is they have 12 hours to kind of interact with one another before the no bone zone slash bang ban is instituted. Okay, so before we move on to that, there is something I just turned over the page because it seems like all the contestants were on one page and then I flipped it over and there's a star beside this point. There is a diversity issue with this show. I think that's pretty clear. Mm -hmm. Because apparently, as you said in the beginning, they scoured the world for the hottest, horniest people that Mm -hmm. they could find. Yet, I would say about 70% of them are white. Mm -hmm. There's, I believe, three Black castmates. The rest of them are just white. Mm -hmm. It's white from, like, the U.S., England or Australia? Yes, that's it. Literally, that that that's it. And I have a hard time believing that this is an accurate representation of what they said that they were looking for. I actually wrote down the exact quotes because I always watch things with subtitles on them. So I was able mm-hmm. to write it all down. So obviously, we found the hottest, horniest, commitment-phobic swipesters. I... I how, and I wrote down how did they measure each one of these qualities? <laughs> I'm curious. The social scientist in you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess I guess that like master's degree serves for something, right? Well, it comes in handy a couple of times. <laughs> my professors would be so proud of me. So that, proud like, this you're... is what I'm using my skills for at the moment. I mean, initially. <laughs> it's very true initially they'd be upset with you for watching the show in the first place but then they'd be so proud <laughs> they'd be so proud of your ability to critique it you know what that makes me feel happy now yeah <laughs> I mean I don't want to test this out so I really hope none of my professors are listening to Please, this if you're a teacher Hold on, no, we shouldn't exclude anybody from listening. We're trying to get our listeners above 2.5 yes. people. So we've gone up a bit because our friends have expressed interest in listening to this. Mm-hmm. Expressed interest slash been forced to. Much like the premise of this show. Actually, I was my I was telling my mom because I finished editing the first episode last night. Uh, yes, I know it took me a long time, but I also had to learn how to edit. But my mom still doesn't understand the concept of a podcast <laughs> and exactly what we're doing. And, and she's like, I want to listen to it, but I don't understand it. And I don't watch the same things that you watch. Mind you, my my mother, she speaks Spanish mainly. We speak Spanish yeah. at home. And th- th- that's another issue. So I told her, I'm like, mom, just, I'll send you the link and you just press play and do whatever you want. We just want the view. Yeah. You don't actually have to listen if you'd like to listen by all means, but if you just like to press play and then leave it be and like put your phone on mute or put your computer on mute, that's perfectly fine too. Speaking of mothers, no sex series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mother, nun, um what is it like an AI system that gathers and analyzes all your behavioral information Apparently. and then uses it against you to tempt you into conducting yourself in a sexual manner. Mhm. Okay. Mhm. She's a very tricky little woman. Yeah. Mary Poppins wouldn't behave like that. Just saying. No. It's a poor reference. Um but she lets all of them kind of interact and we get to see who's pairing off with who and where the relationships are likely going to develop so we already see Rhonda is interested in both David and Sharon uh yeah so this is the point the 18 minute and 41 second point where I tuned out I wrote <laughs> tune out point point," and this is was not planned i had tried to keep a mental note in my head as to where i had tuned out the first time and i realized when i tuned back in that i had passed the minute the 18 minute and 41 second mark oh so i went back and i realized i had tuned out at the exact same moment (laughs) (laughs) it was just as boring to you the second time around as it was the first that's sad so we see them start to break off and interact with each other. And David goes to talk to Rhonda. Here is where the professional tanner in me is very upset. David goes, because it's his only move with women, to apply lotion on Rhonda's bum. Admittedly, she has a really nice ass. My issue with this scene is that she's not in the sun. I rewind it. <laughs> The whole scene. I went back over a minute to see if maybe in the beginning she was in the sun. And then, you know, by the time they filmed the end of that scene, she wasn't. There was no sun on her body. She was in the shade. And he's talking about how she's burning up. And she's like, oh, yeah, thanks for the sunscreen. I was going to like cook. Where's the sun? How are you cooking And that was a waste of sunscreen lotion, number one. Number two, now she does go into the sun. She's not gonna get a tan because guess what? She's protected from the UV radiation. That the real crime of this show now that they mean I was the sunscreen. (laughs) I was very upset by this. So as nice of a guy as David seems. Fuck David. Okay, so Vanessa, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell you this. Yeah. I do not think that David putting sunscreen on Rhonda was because he was afraid that she was going to burn up in the sun. I think, <laughs> and hold on here. Okay. I'll listen. It was an excuse to rub her body. Just okay. a guess. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's Here's my issue. If he wanted to rub her body, why didn't he just bring... Tanning oil. <laughs> you can also rub somebody's body with tanning oil, and you're not the douche who's applying sunscreen on somebody who doesn't need it. While we're at it, I just want to say that another reason why I really like Kels, he um, he's the accountant. He likes the Lion King, and he's a bum person. And I'm like, well, I've I've got a big bum. Come here, Kels. <laughs> we can bond over the Lion King and the butt stuff. <laughs> Vanessa, are you like hitting on Kells via podcast? No, I mean, if he's listening, yes, but no. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so David makes his play at Rhonda, and then who knows how much longer after, Sharon makes his play at Rhonda. And to me, it seems like their conversation is a lot easier. Yeah, they do seem to have an immediate connection. I think you can tell me better than I can recall but from what I remember in the reunion episode did they end up together or were still together at that point um that's or- a very good question i don't know if they were together by the reunion point they did break up eventually oh. but i'm not sure if it was before the reunion or if the breakup happened after the reunion oh okay It didn't seem to be fair, like a a very contentious breakup. It was more just they live in different states in the US Mm -hmm. and the distance became a problem. And I think Sharon's mother was sick and like all of that kind of added it. Oh, okay. But they do. To me, it seemed like right from the beginning, they had a bit of a stronger bond. And like you said, an instant connection there. And they do kiss in that scene where they're talking, that first scene of them just talking one on one. Um, And that's kind of, this is before, of course, the bang ban begins. So it's allowed. (laughs) It's allowed. They haven't lost anyone any money as of yet. No, they don't even know that they're competing for that cash prize. Yeah, so I also wrote down, and I can't remember who said this, but I'm going to take a quick guess that it was probably Harry, that he wants to do carnage to Francesca. Yeah, That yeah. does not sound appealing at all. No, it doesn't. But a lot of the things that he says don't sound very appealing. Yeah, so like, let's look up the exact definition of carnage. <laughs> <laughs> so according to Oxford Dictionary, carnage is a noun, and it is the killing of a large number of people. An example of carnage used in a sentence is, The bombing was timed to cause as much carnage as possible. Sexy, Harry.
1: Very, very very sexy. sexy.
0: So Harry wants to do some carnage to Francesca. And they do kiss. They have um, an evening where they're all gathered together. And they have, I'm going to use closed phrase here, a proper sexual dance party. And then they do, so they're all like grinding on each other and slapping (laughs) ass and everything. And then they have a blindfolded icebreaker. Again, this is before the ban is instituted. So nobody's losing any money by kissing each other or touching each other. Um, Rhonda and Sharon kiss and David notices that. So he realizes that there's going to be a little bit of a triangle there. And Harry kisses Francesca. And that's sort of the start of their relationship. And then I also believe that when Harry was blindfolded, Chloe was the one that went up and kissed him. And he had to guess who it was. He had picked Francesca. Chloe was not happy about this. Mm -hmm. Visibly was not happy about this. And uh, Mm -hmm. this is something that I I focused on because it I think definitely impacted a bit of how she viewed Francesca going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I also did write down something else. With regards to Harry, Harry just needs to... Does he understand what's coming out of his mouth? No, he doesn't. He never does. Okay, so he wrote down that he has a boyfriend dick. Yes. Not too big, not too small, and it looks pretty. Mm Mm-hmm. Girls fall in love with it because they realize it's maintainable. (laughs) Oh I want God, to show really? you something on that note because this is the perfect time to do so. I'm going to okay. share the screen. So, oh, Harry developed merchandise for some of his greatest sayings. The website is called <sighs> naughtypossums.com, arguably his greatest phrase from the show. And we have here a series of hoodies, sweatpants. Most of them say naughty possum, but then you have boyfriend dick, and my favorite of all, the boyfriend dick condom. Featuring his face on the wrapper. Don't you think it's brilliant? Oh, and then we have Naughty Possum trucker hats. Honestly, I can see a trucker wearing this hat. It's not even surprising to me. So when I first discovered this, number one, I think it's a brilliant marketing strategy. But number two, when I discovered this, I showed it to one of my friends. (laughs) And they asked me if I was going to buy the sweater that said boyfriend dick. And I said, of course I will. (laughs) I haven't yet, though. I'm going to be honest. I'm disappointed that you haven't, but at the same time, I do not want to contribute to the Harry fund. I feel you. Yeah, I agree. That's also why I wouldn't buy from his merchandise. Although I kind of wonder about the quality of those hoodies. Like maybe it's a very fleecy, nice one. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sure you want to check the quality of the sweater. That's mm-hmm. the primary reason why you would want to purchase this. Yeah, I'm also kind of wondering, like, that condom, is it a package of condoms or is it just one? <laughs> <laughs> it's just one. <laughs> it's one, yeah. but if you buy five, you can get a sixth one for free. This is not like, true, by the way. I, I do wonder. Is, that's just something I'm making up. Yeah, I wonder if it comes in different sizes or if it's just available in boyfriend dick size. It, it's maintainable. It's only for maintainable sizes. There are no magnum. yeah, <laughs> just and does it does it come with the same level of guarantee as other condoms, or like was it half asked when it was produced? because that's an important question for people who purchase it. Is there also like a ninety seven percent guarantee that it will work, or is the percentage lower? I really, 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 really hope that somehow it's even higher. Like ninety nine percent effective mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that, considering the people that are probably buying it. Yeah, this is true. We ask the hard hitting questions here on this yeah. podcast. Just saying. So, <laughs> um, to get back to the plot of the show, Lana goes off at this point, uh, and she tells them that they have to gather in the palapa. Which to me, I don't know why. It's sick. But the palapa sounds sexual to me and for some reason it reminds me of the word vulva i don't know what that is. i don't know <laughs> I, I i think we know which way your mind is going lately <laughs> but anyways they gather and lana tells them that there's a hundred thousand dollar prize chloe's concern which this is One of the reasons why I like her is if it's washing up and cooking, I'm fucked. (laughs) She says if that's the requirements to win the prize. So when they find out that they can't have any sexual contact with each other for a week, needless to say, they are all incredibly bummed out. Some of them more than others. Was there anybody's reaction that you found particularly entertaining? Francesca, she looked like she was about to punch someone out hmm So I did some research and actually I found out that, and it's seen in the next episode, she literally did cry <laughs> after in her personal <laughs> interview, after finding out that this was the rule of the show and she wanted to leave. She oh. was very close, I think, to leaving the show. She was so traumatized that her fellow castmates thought it was hilarious how seriously she was taking this bombshell. I didn't know this. I think that's so funny. I mean, it's $100,000. Just keep it in your pants for 24 days. You know what? But the thing is, it's not $100,000. It's $10,000 that she probably already has. Yeah. But wouldn't you just want to stay on a nice island and get paid $10,000. This is the other thing. This resort is beautiful. They have a personal chef who they were saying like, you can ask him for deep fried Oreos and he would come with an abundance of them. You can order whatever you want. The only drawback is that they have to share the bedroom and they have to share the bathroom. And the bathroom is a tough situation. Can you imagine one shower for 10 people? I can't imagine one shower for just you and me based on Mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, I couldn't see myself being on the show because (laughs) the shower situation would be such a nightmare. (laughs) No, everyone would just be showering with cold water by after your turn. Yeah. (laughs) So we use Boyfriend's Place during the summer and... You know what? I do not think that he read the back of our thank you note where you apologized for running up the water bill. That was written on the note. It was specifically written. I have a picture of it somewhere in my phone for legal purposes. Uh, So he can't say I didn't warn him. He's never going to let us use his place again. No. I, I know the logical solution would just be to take shorter showers with less warm water, but that's the logical solution for other people. That's not my logical solution. We come to episode two, which is aptly entitled When Harry Met Francesca. And here's where the drama starts in this episode here. Did you like this episode more? Uh, oh my god. I think I tuned out more during this episode, but I did pay a lot more attention to certain parts. It was a lot more on the extremes. Like I was either paying very close attention or Mm -hmm. I was tuning out completely. Okay. Okay. So they wake up. It's the first official morning there and nobody's broken any rules yet since the ban has been implemented. Um, But it is clear that some couples have already kind of been created. So Harry and Francesca, I think, are sharing a bed and Sharon and Rhonda are sharing a bed, but they're just cuddling. Nothing else has happened. So... Right from the start, it's pretty clear that Harry is going to be one of the contestants who does not care about the rules. He specifically says that he's a rule breaker. And you can see, too, Sharon feels he's going to have a really hard time sticking to the rules. And he's like, basically, if I'm going to break it, then I might as well go big or go home. Also in this episode, we get to the point where Kels is labeled the accountant. He's like, for $100,000, I don't care what I have to do. I'll drag people to the toilets if it means that they'll cool off and not waste us any money. And again, this is why I love him. He's the best. And Jesus also is all about, like, self-sacrifice for the good of the group. That's another couple that was created, really, is Kells and Matthew. Sorry, the accountant and Jesus. Yeah. I did find what I enjoyed more than the romantic couplings on this show was the friendships. So yeah. the female-female relationships and the male-male relationships. Mm-hmm. I found that I was way more interested in that than I was in anything that the couples were doing. Same here. I really enjoyed that scene where Kells and Jesus, or the accountant and Jesus, are talking to one another. And they kind of, it gives off the vibe about like parents. They actually say, yeah. the, everybody else is like kids, right? And it's like watching over them is so much work to try to make sure that nobody messes up and nobody gives into temptation. And they're like the two parents of the group. They're really the only two fully reasonable people. Um, and then you get other friendships like Chloe and Nicole seem to be pretty close throughout the series. And there's one thing that Jesus says um, when he's talking to Kells that if you watch the rest of the series, you'll kind of see how this plays out. He says, how long can I see the good in people who only do things for their own selfishness? And that becomes a big issue, I think, for Jesus in like finding any sort of connection on the show because he he can't really see anybody else in a romantic sense because he can't even really respect them, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think there's any point in the show where he's really tempted Considering the criteria that they used to pick the participants on this show, mm-hmm. he did not seem interested in anyone at no. all. The most sexual interest that he shows is actually in No Sex Theory. You know what? Actually, I think I did write that down, that he was flirting with No Sex Theory yeah, at loves- one point. He loves No Sex series. Actually, just a funny side note. This is also not his first time on a reality TV show. He was on, I forget what season, of America's Next Top Model. He finished in 10th place. He looks very different in that show. Oh, He's he much more clean cut, short hair. He doesn't look like that beachy surfer, hipster kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Very attractive looking, actually. But yeah, that's not his first time on a reality show. That's interesting. I, I did not know that. I was going to say, Sharon and Rhonda uh-huh. talk for a little bit in the early afternoon, I guess. And Rhonda seems to be a bit more reasonable. She looks like she kind of wants to hold off, not just for the cash prize, but also because she wants to really test the relationship and see if there's something more meaningful there between her and Sharon. Sharon doesn't quite see it the same way. In his words, memories, AKA sex, are worth more than $100,000. And that's like the first, I think, time that you kind of see the difference in opinion between the two of them. They're treating this social experiment a little bit differently. Yeah, you can really see the commitment phobic personality trait of Sharon. Yeah, in that moment. In fact, I think out of all of the contestants, he's probably the most commitment phobic. Can you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he explains at one point that he is that way because he got cheated on. Yeah. So he said his ex actually left him for his best friend. That would do it. Yeah. He has some serious trust issues and understandably so. And it's interesting out of all the, like, they're all supposed to be commitment foams to a certain Mm -hmm. extent, but out of all of them, I think to me, his is the most understandable and the one- that gets the most of my sympathy. Yeah, definitely. I feel that it deepens his character. I mean, he's a real person, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like yeah. everyone on the show is playing a character or playing a caricature of themselves. Yes, absolutely. Um, Sharon and Rhonda, to me, are the most genuine couple, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like their connection is definitely the most genuine. And they're much more sympathetic as people because of like the little details that come out here and there along the way. So those two have talked, but we also have Harry and Francesca, and this becomes a pivotal moment. So they're talking. (laughs) Harry basically says that in order to see if his heart is in the right place, he has to have sex. (laughs) (laughs) To him, this is the most important litmus test (laughs) of whether their relationship can continue. Some people would argue otherwise, but for him, this is very important. On day two... (laughs) of knowing her. And so he basically says, like, I want to have sex with you and we should also kiss. And he leans in. He's the one who initiates it. He leans in and kisses Francesca. And she obviously doesn't object. Uh, No, she doesn't. But despite him... And I will emphasize Harry, him, he's the one that leaned in mm-hmm. and he's the one that was kind of advocating for them to break the rules. Yeah. He later goes on to tell everyone that it was the other way around and throws Francesca under the bus. hmm Yeah. So he tells the group of guys about what happened and... He gives a really sad excuse for an apology that has three parts and two of them are just justifications without really acknowledging any role that he played in his wrongdoing. He says, basically, I'm very young, so you should forgive me because I'm very young and stupid and because anybody else in my position would have done the same thing because she's hot. I have my issues with Harry, which probably explains why I wrote fuck Harry in all caps and then underlined it. That's fair. Um, But what really frustrates me is how they paint Francesca as this manipulative person and character, Mm -hmm. while on the other hand, Harry just gets to slide by. Yeah. And I understand Francesca's frustration at the beginning and wanting to get back at everyone, which we'll, yeah. we'll get to, because she got thrown under the bus and then everyone decided to gang up on her. And at this point, I understand going forward why they wouldn't believe her, but they had zero reason to think that she was the one lying about this. Exactly. And the motivation behind, I think, them believing her versus not believing her, on the women's side, it was they were jealous of her because all the guys found her the most attractive when she first entered. Yep, I would agree. And in particular, Chloe, she is into Harry, and she is frustrated that Harry is into Francesca. Yep. And then on the flip side, the guys don't believe in her because they kind of maybe feel miffed that... She decided to go with Harry and not them. Yeah, exactly. I kind of like Matthew quite a bit, but I do not like how he kind of just keeps on doubling down on this. What it causes is that Francesca ends up acting in the way that everyone expects her to act because they're just treating her like shit. Yeah, like shit. And she's like, okay, might as well get what I want out of the situation because even when I'm fessing up, even when I'm doing things correctly, people are just gonna continue to treat me badly. Yeah, and nobody believes her, and it's very true. There's really there's no other explanation for why they would believe Harry more than her. Harry actually initially tells the guys everything about what he does is very manipulative. Even when he tells the guys in the bedroom what happened, the only reason why he tells them is because he knows that Francesca is going to tell Haley about the kiss and he doesn't want to look like the person who withheld information because then that makes him look more secretive and not honest. So he only tells the guys so that he doesn't look like an asshole and he doesn't look like the one who initiated everything and now is trying to cover it up. On top of that, it makes him seem like this honest one instead of really the most manipulative person on the show, as far as I can tell, is Harry. Francesca, from the mere fact of her being a woman, is the one that's being called manipulative. Because I feel being manipulative is very much characterized as a female quality. It is. Yeah, I would agree. And it rubbed me the wrong way. So they get called to the Palapa and Lana breaks the news that there's going to be a $3,000 deduction for rule breaking. And so Francesca is actually the one that encourages Harry to tell the group what happened. Harry wasn't going to even say a word to the full group, although the guys already know and Haley already knows. He goes, he plays it off as if nothing happens. He's like, what are we telling them? And then it's Kells who brings up and who asks who initiated the kiss. And Harry reiterates that Francesca was the one. Obviously, Francesca is really pissed off. She only tells the truth in that meeting with everybody. She wasn't even going to say initially the further discussion that Harry had with her, the fact that he said, well, if we're going to kiss, we might as well also have sex. We might as well go all the way, basically to show everybody that he didn't care about anything. He didn't care about the money that everybody would lose in the process. She doesn't really go on the attack mode even in that meeting. She defends herself and she just tells the truth. She doesn't do anything else in that. Harry's the one that like completely throws her under the bus and then in talking about the situation afterwards Chloe and I think it's Chloe and Sharon who are talking about it and Chloe goes I think Carrie is the most genuine person here oh yeah I I I made a note of that too and it what and Sharon says yeah I can really read body language and it's clear that Francesca was lying Once again, I think they just read women as manipulative. Obviously, she also kissed him in the end, but she wasn't the one who initiated it. And he throws her under the bus for something that should have been equally their fault, not just Francesca's. So I think she really gets off to a poor start and not entirely from her own doing. Yeah. And the only person that's really taking her side at that moment is Haley who I have to say I think is in love with Francesca. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When Francesca and Haley talk about the situation that happened in the group meeting, you already see the plot coming into effect for what they're going to do later on. They've basically decided, we're just going to let this group lose more money. Um, And Haley has decided, I'm going to do whatever I can to convince Francesca that she's fallen for the wrong person. (laughs) You know what? I would like to call that the misogyny tax. I like that. I do not think that they later on go to lie about that it wasn't them and whatever, and that's a a different issue, but they deserve to lose that money. Yeah, agreed. So, Chloe and David were doing a little bit of flirting, and... Lana sets up a private, well, not really private because everybody could see the date, (laughs) but sets up a date for the two of them to have. And here's again where Lana doesn't seem to really care about them making a deeper connection so much as she wants to just tempt them, it seems. And we're on episode three, correct? No, this is still episode Uh two. Okay, so I guess I tuned out. Oh, okay. Well, the gist of it is that they really don't form a deeper connection here during the date because everything becomes sexual. Chloe holds a strawberry, chocolate-covered strawberry between her teeth and then makes David eat it out of her mouth without touching her lips so that they don't lose any money. Um, Chloe puts her finger inside the chocolate sauce and swirls it around, which I think is completely disgusting and unhygienic. And maybe that's just because we're in corona times, but Yeah, (laughs) there's a lot of things that you could definitely tell did not happen during Corona. Absolutely. And during the date, um, Francesca is watching for most of the date and she's just getting angrier and angrier because everybody seems to be supporting this connection between Chloe and David. And she's upset because she's thinking, well, nobody supported me when I took an interest in Harry. And then they all kind of shit on me afterwards and blame me for something that was like equally our faults. So she definitely had a right to be upset. And frankly, there was no meaningful connection between Chloe and David. Harry, in the meantime, in his infinite wisdom, has decided that he's going to sit in the bedroom and do nothing because he figures that Francesca will magically get to, quote, the carrot out of her ass and leave all of the BS behind. The BS, may I add, that he created. Yeah, I wonder if after he said that, that's when I wrote Fuck Harry. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a good time. Mm-hmm. No no need to maybe go and, if you really like her, go and talk to her and apologize for the mess of a situation that you created. No, I'm just going to leave her a little bit of time to think to herself and to get over it. While well, he takes zero accountability for, number one, kissing her, and then number two, lying about it to the group and then turning everyone against her. And then painting her as a liar. Absolutely. So Haley and Francesca talk again. And here's where they decide to uh, make a decision that loses the group more money. I honestly, at this point, I did understand where Francesca was coming from. Yeah, me too. Like I said, I call that the misogyny tax. I think it was fair. So the two of them kiss, so that the group can lose an additional $3,000. I'm going to be Kels right now. The first Francesca and Harry kiss cost the group... $3,000. So they went from $100,000 down to $97,000. And this second kiss between Francesca and Haley cost them another $3,000. So now they're down to $94,000. Yes. So we're at $94,000 as of the end of episode two. Which is pretty good. How many days do they have left, though? So the filming lasted for 24 days, and I could tell you that the amount declines precipitously. I mean, I'm not surprised. So we end on this kiss, and then we go to episode three. Revenge is a dish best served hot. This is something that apparently I will find out more about at the end of this episode. (laughs) So Haley and Francesca really think they've been quite covert about the whole thing, and nobody's going to suspect them, which... Frankly, you know what? I was on board with them getting back at everybody for being swayed by Harry and the misogyny tax, as you said, but they could have been a little bit more covert. Like they could have tried a bit harder. They walk into the bedroom after everybody's already in the bedroom. They walk in together, sit in the same bed. They're whispering throughout the... Throughout the thing, but they decide that there's somebody that they might be able to blame the prize drop on because in the middle of the night at about 2.30, Francesca sees Sharon wake up and then go wake up Rhonda and she sees the two of them sneak off alone to the bathroom. So she says, this is the perfect couple to blame the kiss on. Sharon and Rhonda don't kiss. They just have a talk because Sharon is horny, and he says at that point, which I just think is ridiculous, he's like, "I was gonna go take a shower at two thirty in the morning. You were gonna go take a shower, sure, buddy." And he's not sure how long it could last. Keep in mind, it's day two. Oh my god, <laughs> day two. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So the next morning, Lana still hasn't announced that the prize drop has happened yet. I just want to make a little note. Chloe and David are still talking. Their relationship is not going to last very long at all. In fact, I forgot they even had a relationship because it was so short-lived. But Chloe is wearing a bikini that I really like. I just wanted to make mention of this in this episode. It has see-through straps. And the whole point of this is so that you don't get tan lines. And the only tan lines you're going to have are like the little triangle pieces, uh-huh. right? But you're not going to get the line. You should invest in one of those. I looked it up. It's on a website called Oh Polly. I'm pretty sure that's where she got hers because it looks like the same shade of yellow. I never knew about this until this show, but like it's really revolutionizing the tanning game. But other than the tanning... <laughs> they move on to their first workshop. And the workshop involves shibari, which is a little bit like bondage. It's actually an ancient Japanese technique to improve trust and intimacy and relationships that involves binding each other up with rope. And of course, the producers pair up the people who kind of seem like they're already forming a connection or people whose connection maybe is faltering a little bit. So... In their infinite wisdom, they pair up Francesca and Harry, and then they also pair up Chloe and David and Sharon and Rhonda. And here's where Harry and Francesca's relationship miraculously starts to repair a little bit. Not from anything that Harry does, of course. He just sits there and says, if you don't want to be mature about it, that's fine, because she doesn't really want to participate in the game at first not game, workshop, for obvious reasons. And his technique is not to apologize. It's just to say fine if you're not going to be mature about it. He's like, I'm here with open arms if you're ready to be mature. Uh, Yeah, I wrote down Harry just wants them to move on, but without taking accountability for his actions. And he never does. They do move on. He never oh. takes accountability. It's the most upsetting part of the series to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we also start to see that Rhonda seems to be a little bit more interested in a relationship than Sharon is. Sharon mentions about how his ex left him for his best friend. And so he's a little bit wary of relationships and Rhonda is more focused on building something serious. So that's the first hint of like a warning sign there. But then they have the evening in the Palapa where the prize drop is announced that $3,000 was lost the previous night. And Haley immediately gets on the defensive to try to avert suspicion and accuses Sharon. Sharon, in turn, gets very defensive because he doesn't like to be accused. And he starts digging his own grave by saying that he never thought that he would leave here with uh, love. He doesn't think that he's going to leave here with a relationship. And you could just see Rhonda's face dropping as he continues to say things and has a word vomit moment. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down Sharon needs to shut up. I mean, I understand that he can feel like that, but obviously he has put ronda in a very awkward position where she's being put down like there's no reason to have to say those things in front of a group of people in fact i agree a thousand percent but there was no reason to even have to say those things in the first place i wish i had re-watched the scene because i don't understand how that word vomit even started for him Yeah, I don't know if maybe there was parts that were cut out where people were bothering him more about his relationship with Rhonda. We really don't know. It's reality TV. But I don't think it was necessary. I don't think that you can just leave it at, I didn't do it, and that's it. It's good to be clear to the person that you're with that you're perhaps not interested in a relationship and that is yeah. a good thing to be honest about and something that, yeah, I personally respect because then the other person's not wasting their time. But there is no reason to humiliate a person like that. Yeah, absolutely. And in front of a crowd like that it was just the wrong thing. And I have felt really bad for her in that scene. And you know what? She handles it very well, I have to say. They have a talk afterwards and she basically says, like, this is where I am. I'm interested in pursuing something further and he basically talks about his trust issues and how he doesn't think that he's ready for another relationship. He doesn't think he's going to be able to make this work and be open and vulnerable in the way that she needs him to be. So at the end of the talk it seems clear that the two of them are kind of going to have a cooling off period. And this is really the moment where later on in the series, you're going to see Rhonda and David develop a little bit more. Because David, after the workshop, David and Chloe basically kind of part ways because Chloe says, I just don't really feel a spark there. It was an awkward conversation on that hammock. (laughs) On hammock.
1: There's just like
0: a random little note. So I'm like, yeah, that's awkward. It was. David handled it quite well, I think. But from the beginning of the show, from the first episode, you see that David is interested in Rhonda. We recall the sunscreen on the butt and how it should have been tanning oil. Um, so now we've opened up the stage for Rhonda and David, but that happens later in the series. Matthew, meanwhile, Matthew slash Jesus, in his all-knowing wisdom, figures that Haley and Francesca were the ones that cost the group money. And he thinks that all into the next day, they're trying to rule out potential suspects. And he. He says, I really do think it's Francesca, the manipulative one, which he mentions multiple times. Yeah. That She's like the ringleader of it. And Haley, the brainless sorority girl who just follows along blindly. I actually disagree in That she's the most manipulative one, especially in this situation, because it seems like the idea was sparked by Haley. I really do think that Haley was more of the initiator than Francesca was. Francesca obviously had the anger and whatever to get to that stage where she wanted to do something, but Haley knew exactly what she was doing. Haley liked her, and she saw this as the perfect opportunity to help. Francesca get back at the group, but also to make some headway with Francesca. Exactly. And, you know, they do end up getting caught because Mm -hmm. Matthew figures out that you can actually ask No Sex Siri, who broke the rule and cost them money. Yep. But when Francesca and Haley leave the group after being outed, Haley goes to Francesca, should we act like we're in love? Yes. (laughs) I feel like this is the beginning of... (laughs) a rom-com of sorts where Mm -hmm. people fake that they're in love at first and then they truly end up falling in love I think that was Haley's basis for it she's like this has worked on many a romantic comedy that I have watched so why would it not work for me (laughs) yeah so I feel like in this case sadly uh, in these two cases really Haley is the one that's manipulating the situation not Haley. saying that Francesca is not also being manipulative I'm sure she, I, I think you mentioned that she yeah she continues to do stuff that like she just gets more unlikable as the series progresses at least to me mm-hmm. but Haley is super unlikable and I really do think she's more of the driving force behind the things that happened in these first three episodes more mm-hmm. so than Francesca is I think Haley and Harry are the two villains if you want to say if it makes you feel any better, boiler alert, Haley leaves. Oh, really? Later on. Yeah. She decides that she's had, I actually, I think Lana kicks her out because she's not really participating in the way she should be. And she's just kind of sulking, especially um, because Harry and Francesca kind of make up at a certain point. And then she really has nothing to go for because the only person that she liked was Francesca. And Lana says, you know, you're not participating, everything like that. You're not being a good sport. And she just walks out. I mean, she could have at least participated to stay on the nice island. I'm stuck on this island. I really want to be somewhere tropical. You know, but uh, COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Don't travel, people. Just don't Don't, travel. Please don't travel. Uh, Stay home, you know, flatten the curve, that sort of stuff. Wait till 2022, hopefully, to uh, travel Mm. to this resort in Mexico. Save up the money for it because it's expensive. Hey, we're supposed to go to a wedding in Mexico, which got canceled. But if they do want to do it in Mexico whenever we're able to travel again, I think we should suggest this island. I would be happy to. I we will message them later <laughs> and tell them that this is this, this is, is where this this is the place where you should do your wedding. Yeah. I think it's reasonable if you split it amongst a large group of people, mm-hmm. it's really not that expensive. I mean, mind you, we'd probably have to limit it to like two days or something like that. Fair enough, but like we've all saved some money during quarantine. So I think it's a reasonable request. Who wouldn't want to say we stayed at the same resort as Beyonce. Ooh. Actually, I don't know if she stayed at that resort. She stayed on that island. <laughs> oh. It makes a bit of a difference. But still, I feel like we can make an argument for it. And we can send them this episode just to, like, emphasize that. Oh, wait, Vanessa, you froze again? <laughs> do do do, 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 do. So, this episode ends with a new contestant being introduced on top of all of the drama that's already happened. So, we get Bryce, single number 11, who I can confirm stays to the end of the series. He plays the piano not well. He sings, not well. I can tell you this because he actually does this during one of the later episodes and it's probably the most painful thing to watch in the series. Chloe though is immediately interested. I wrote down boat and piano on beach Mm because there's a montage of him on the beach playing the piano yeah, and then rolling around in the sand with the water hitting him. Yeah, it's very painful. Yeah. How old would you think Bryce is? I think he's like 40 or something. He's our age. What? He's, I think he's 27. At most, he's 29. He's in his 20s, but I honestly think it was 27. Oh, wow. I, I was not expecting that. I would say maybe like 35 or something youngest. Yes. And he seems like he's going to be a bit of a rule breaker. He says himself that he doesn't care for the rules. Oh my God. Who does he have that in common with? Hmm. Hmm. Harry. Harry. Maybe that's why Chloe likes him. It's just another Harry. Yeah, exactly. Um, she loses interest in him after a while though. Yeah, so I wrote down so excited, almost done. Exclamation mark, (laughs) underscore, underscore. And I think that brings us to the end of the third episode. I'm sure you're so enthusiastic about it right now. Actually, this is the happiest you've looked the entire entire time. Yeah. Wow. Way to contain your... (laughs) Mind you, I as I, I'm also extremely hungry at this point, and True. we have sopa de frijoles, um, so bean soup in the kitchen right now, and I'm really excited to have that. That sounds very good. I'm, I'm kind of thinking about that right now, so that that's part of the excitement, but also that this has come to an end. I'm going to give my brief review before I ask for yours. Okay. My brief review is going to involve a slang that I picked up during the course of the show. Ooh, yes. So, number one, if I had to give it a numeric rating, I would say 10 out of 10. <laughs> Uh, Rotten Tomatoes says 37%. I respectfully disagree. I think this series is about as entertaining and well thought out and produced as the classic episode of Seinfeld on which it is based. And considering that episode was ranked number one of all sitcoms in a TV Guide article, I think in 2009, I think it's no surprise that this series is also equally amazing so you might think i'm taking the piss but the proper dead truth is i wouldn't bin this show um i think by episode three things really start to crack on and it's easy to get hooked on it and it's fun to watch the bands between as harry would call them the Fitbirds birds and the geezers geezers i will note does not mean what it means here in north america it, it does not mean old no it persons. means like a dude a duty dude And of course, my favorite naughty little possum, Kels. Hi, Kels. (laughs) (laughs) So I can't be arsed to have any shame about this show. 10 out of 10. But if you're asking for my real true rating of the series, it's like at most a 5 out of 10. I actually will reiterate that these are three hours of my life that I will never get back. And it saddens me. I I was watching this in the living room, on my laptop, on the couch, and different members of my family would pass by me. And I kept on telling them, I'm going to get Vanessa back for this at Mm -hmm. various points throughout the three episodes. Will it be all at once? I don't know. I think I'll see. I don't know if I want to serve something really hot, lukewarm, then cold. That can then get reheated at some point. I don't know. I can tell you're thinking about food right now. I <laughs> am. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> um, but there will be a reckoning. I would give this show like a two and I will not watch beyond number three. I had to force myself to pay attention I kept on like, like I said, there was various points that I wrote down that I tuned out and I just went on Instagram. And then I kind of cursed myself because I extended the experience because then I would have to rewind to watch certain parts. So yeah, I That's think I will just, I, I think I would just give this show a two, maybe a 2.5. You know what? I'll give this a 2.5 because of Kels. That's good. So, um, but I will say this, what may motivate me to watch this show And it's a May. Okay. I'm listening. Is if there was some sort of drinking game involved. If we made this, made some sort of drinking game for this. then like the way you think. Then I would be open to watching a few more episodes. Not all of them, but just enough to- uh, Get drunk. Yeah, just get that quarantine buzz going. But that's, once again, a maybe. And then I might bump it up to three. And then- Wait, wait, wait. And then if we get the free stay at the island, you know. It goes know, up to a 10. No, no, no. It goes up to a 3.5. Maybe 3.75. I, I don't think you understand how beautiful the island is. Also, I don't think you understand the concept ha- of kissing ass for the purpose of getting on the island. <laughs> I feel like that makes our listeners feel better about anything that we end up promoting in, in the end. If we ever get any sponsors, who knows? Mm -hmm. You know, that if we're actually saying that this is a good product, it is a good product. That's a very good point. We're going to be objective about it. Well, not me, but you will be objective (laughs) about it regardless. And you're not going to break your values just to promote something. Yes. I like that very much. That's very much like Kel's. So, um, yeah, that's my final review it was a bit of a painful experience for me, I, I have to admit. But what does bring me a little bit of joy is that I gave you joy in me expressing my pain. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's true. But I know I would not rewatch this. I really hope that this does not screw up my Netflix algorithm mm-hmm. in particular about no one else but myself using my Netflix account to watch things. Yeah. Like my profile because I I like the suggestions that I get to be something that I would actually like. Yeah. And that's reflective of your taste. Yeah. So I'm very sensitive. So that's the I, only thing. I truly am sorry if it does affect the recommendations you get. I I don't believe you. (laughs) No, no, I am because I understand a thousand percent and I feel for you. I really, really do. I don't want it to affect that because that's an upsetting thing. It's happened to me and I find it very upsetting. Um, But I have to say you took it like a champ. Thank you. Not not really. I mean, mean, no, I complained about it the entire time. I even was texting you as I was watching it. I think at one point I texted you, I need a drink. Yeah, I... I didn't quite expect it to be this painful for you, but then I don't know why I should Well, have you known. also didn't know about my dislike for Survivor, so we're yeah. still learning things about each other. That's true, and this makes a lot more sense now. If it makes you feel better, this is actually the only show of this kind that I have on my list. There are other things that you won't like, but for different reasons. Oh. So, But the other ones that you won't like are well-rated. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. They are objectively rated as very good shows or movies. They're just not of a genre that you would enjoy. Yeah, I have to admit that is quite a bit of my list as well. See, there you go. So this is probably the worst thing. I hit you with the worst stuff and now we're on our way up. But thank you. Thank you for sitting and watching it. Uh, I appreciate it. uh, You know what? I have to admit, I did enjoy discussing it with you. Yes, I think this was fun. But I guess that kind of brings us to that part of the show mm-hmm. where I reveal what you will be watching next week. I'm nervous. Now, this was not not my original choice for this week, but then something happened. I watched some YouTube video that I will go more into uh, next week, and that made me think about this show. But then also the fact that I wanted to slightly get back at you for this experience this ordeal so are you ready no i'm gonna pee myself i'm so nervous okay now vanessa Mm -hmm. next week you will be watching the vampire diaries oh no (laughs) no (laughs) yes Oh, I wish I left the house more often because maybe there was a chance that I'd get run over by a truck or something (laughs) and not have to watch. Uh, Yeah, you see, I very much enjoyed uh, maybe like the first three seasons of this show and then I kind of stopped watching it and then I went on to watch the two spinoffs and I'm still watching the second spinoff of the show. Mm -hmm. But when I thought about How could I get my revenge? I thought of a genre that you disliked. Mm -hmm. Something with about the same episode length as Too Hot to Handle, you know, just to even things out. But also something that I didn't have to do too much additional research on than I already had. Because I had technically already done the research that I needed to. So it worked out for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you look extremely happy right now. I think next week is going to start off with me saying the exact same words that you started off with this week. And that is, those are three hours of my life that I'll never get back. And not that time is very meaningful during this period of quarantine, but, you know, I could have literally spent that time doing anything else, sleeping, eating, going for a walk, ruining my life in any other way that didn't involve watching that show. That's Okay. You saying that is music to my ears. I know. See, I don't understand why you don't like reality shows because clearly you're getting a lot of enjoyment out of this <laughs> underhandedness. I call bullshit on you not watching people be underhanded. No. <laughs> I call bullshit. Well, no. I'm okay with fictional characters being that way. I think I have more of an issue with people, like real people being that way. I don't know if that makes like, that seems to make a difference in my head because I feel like so many people on TV shows are manipulative, but it seems to bother me more with real people that they're supposed to be themselves or act like themselves. Well, I am not excited. I don't think I'm going to be excited next week, but I will. But you will be excited. So you will make up for the lack of enthusiasm on my part. Honestly, I have to say that is my genuine reaction. What I just said earlier, I did not expect that at all. If I'm being honest, <laughs> didn't expect it. Yeah. I actually didn't expect you to name a show that I really so actively dislike having to watch. <laughs> I am so giddy with Joy right now I... because now you know how I felt. Folks, revenge is not a tasty dish. (laughs) No. But right now we will go and actually have some tasty dishes. Yeah. So we will see you guys next week. Mm -hmm. Unless I die beforehand, which fingers crossed, everyone, fingers crossed. (laughs) I can say from experience that you will only be scarred for life, but you'll be alive. Yeah, you know what? It's not like there's that much going on right now anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Looking on the bright side. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Have a good one. Bye.